What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Whole Nine Draft Podcast. I am your host, Josh Berg. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for me today, even if it is just a little bit of your time. I do appreciate it. Uh, this is the first episode of the Whole Nine Draft Podcast, and I'm excited to get this started. I want to thank Brandon Olson for giving me the opportunity to do what I've always wanted to do, and that is be a podcaster and journalist. So thank you to that. I have, um, in case you don't know who I am, I have a couple articles up on whole9sports.com. You can go ahead and check those out. I've got my first ever mock draft, mock draft 1.0. I don't want to say it's my best mock draft ever because I definitely, um, I'm still getting familiar with a lot of these prospects that are going to be entering the 2020 NFL draft. But that is up on the website. I also have three scouting reports up on Isaiah Simmons, Joe Burrow, and Trayvon Diggs. So go ahead and check those out on whole9sports.com as well as, as well as all of the other great articles we have by all of our contributors. They're all really good reads. We're all up-and-coming writers that just absolutely love doing what we're doing. So go ahead to whole9sports.com to check those out. As I mentioned, I am being. this is being brought to you on the Whole 9 Sports Podcasting Network. We have a lot of great shows and podcasts you can go check out. I'll link those in the description. But we've got a fantasy one. We've got a betting one. We've got the Whole 9 Podcast that's just going over everything generalizing the NFL college football. Hosted by Brandon Olson and Dilly Sanders. <laughs> so go ahead and I'll put everyone's Twitters and uh, links to their podcasts in the description. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at JoshBerg0611 and follow the podcast at WN Draft Pod on Twitter. You'll get the latest updates on episodes and my thoughts on everything sports related. For the first ever show, we've got a great show coming for you guys today here on the whole nine draft podcast in case you didn't guess it this is a nfl draft podcast we're breaking down prospects we're breaking down film also going over relevant news that could have draft implications come april in 2020 so today we're gonna be talking about a lot of really cool stuff we're gonna be going over alabama lsu and the implications of some of those big time prospects that are gonna be in that game we're gonna be going over my perfect fit for the new york giants today and we're also going to be rebuilding the Cincinnati Bengals as they are on the clock currently with the first overall pick but we're going to begin today with talking about the NFL trade deadline happening tomorrow as of recording I'm recording this on October 28th to Monday tomorrow by the time you guys are hearing this the trade deadline will be today it'll be at in the middle of the afternoon today and we've already had two really big trades happen this morning that have draft implications the first one is the miami dolphins sent running back kenyon drake to the arizona cardinals in exchange for a sixth that can turn into a fifth and then the big one the jets trade defensive lineman leonard williams to the crosstown rivals new york giants for a 2021 third and fifth Let's talk about the minor one first here with Kenyon Drake and what this means for the Dolphins going forward. It really has nothing to say about the Arizona Cardinals. They're just going to have even more depth at running back, which means they will definitely not be taking a running back with a priority pick coming draft time. Having David Johnson, Chase Edmonds, and Kenyon Drake there, they've got a good stable guys that can all spread the ball around and catch the ball pretty well in the backfield. But I want to talk about Miami. This boosts Miami in the need of a running back pretty substantially. 
you've got Kalen Balaj there who has yet to take over as the workhorse. Obviously, Kenyon Drake being traded even makes it even easier for him to be the starter, but he hasn't proven that he can be a bell cow workhouse running back. So you could be seeing the Miami Dolphins looking around three or four for a running back to take the the starting job, whether that's Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State or a Najee Harris from Alabama, Cam Akers, Florida State, J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. A lot of these guys that are floating between the second and fourth rounds of most drafts, you could see Miami go ahead and take someone. They're obviously, we all know Miami Dolphins are tagging for Tua, tag of Viola. And if you check out my mock draft that went up on the website today, you will see that I don't have them taking Tua at pick two as we've got other things happening. But they do take a quarterback in the first round. In order to get the pressure off the quarterback, the best thing to do is to give him a stable running game. And the Miami Dolphins haven't had that in a couple years. Kenyon Drake had his one really good year. I believe it was 2017, 2016-2017 season where he really burst on the scene. And then he has failed to stay healthy. He hasn't been the same type of player that they thought they were going to get. And now he's in Arizona. Miami essentially just trading away all of their players to get as much value as they can for the draft picks. They have 12 draft picks in the 2020 NFL draft, including three firsts, two seconds, and then a first and a second from Houston next year. So it's definitely not going to be a one-year fix. Miami is going to be taking their time in getting the players that they want on their team. Trading away Kenyon Drake is just another move to clear cap space, to accumulate draft picks. I looked up something today on Twitter, and it was the Miami Dolphins have 12 draft picks in the 2020 draft class, plus the two from Houston next year. And they are going to have over $110 million in cap space for the upcoming offseason to fix the secondary, to fix the offensive line, to get better skill position players. Miami is going to be fun to watch. This coming offseason, whether they choose to um, trade Josh Rosen is still a, still a question. They could do that in the offseason, or they stick with him as a backup. I don't quite know, but they're going to have a lot of uh, interesting plays for a lot of different types of players this offseason, and I know I'm, I'm excited to see what their plan is. Changing gears here a little bit to our first really main segment that I'm going to be talking about and that's the Houston Texans, who obviously were on the flip side of the Miami Dolphins trade for Laramie Tunsil. And the Houston Texans are going all in this season and the seasons after that, as they do not have a lot of draft picks this year. Taking a look at this team and the moves that they've made, they traded a 2020 first. A, or excuse me, a 2020 first, a 2021 first, and a 2021 second to get Laramie Tunsil, Kenny Stills, and then a fourth-round draft pick this year and a sixth-round draft pick next year to Miami. So there goes their first this year and then the first and second next year. Then they traded a third-round pick that they got from Seattle in the Jadavian Clowney trade. They traded a third-round pick to the Oakland Raiders for quarterback Garyon Conley this past week. Earlier in the offseason, they traded a third, or excuse me, a fourth that can turn into a third to Cleveland for running back Duke Johnson, and they uh, also made a deal where they sent a sixth-round pick for a linebacker, Kayon Crossan, from the Patriots. So the Houston Texans have one, two, three, they have five draft picks 
in this upcoming year. Not a first. They have one second. They have possibly a third, but if not a third, they'll have two fourths, a fifth, and a seventh in this upcoming draft class because of the moves that they have made. This is the issue that I want to talk about. The problem that this presents for whoever ends up taking the general manager spot next year, they are going to have an issue in the future with the lack of assets that they have. Yeah, they're getting a lot of really good players. Laramie Tunsil's been amazing for Deshaun Watson in games that Deshaun Watson has been sacked one time or fewer. They haven't lost a game yet. So clearly it paid dividends for Deshaun Watson in the offensive line. Garyon Conley is going to be an excellent piece on the outside at corner, as I believe he is one of the most underrated corners in the league. And I was absolutely shocked to find out that Oakland traded him because I thought that he would have been a cornerstone for the defense and in that secondary going forward, especially under John Gruden. But they moved off of him. But when we look at these the Houston Texans and their needs and what they need, especially with the J.J. Watt injury, his career might be done. I don't know. Um, the, that pec injury is pretty serious. And uh, we hope he has a speedy and successful recovery. This Houston Texans team is going to need to find another pass rusher, especially with now both Clowney and Watt gone, at least for the immediate future with Clowney. Or excuse me, with Watt and Clowney's obviously in Seattle. They're going to need to find another pass rusher opposite of Whitney Merciless. You could be looking at a a Kayla Von Chassian from LSU or Jonathan Greenard from Florida in the second, third rounds. But they also need to still fix up that offensive line. The left tackle seems to be fixed. Larry Tunsil is a franchise left tackle. You're going to keep him there. Everywhere else in the offensive line is kind of questioning. Max Sharping at guard, Nick Martin at center, Titus Howard, the first-round draft pick last year at right tackle. Not entirely sold in any of those guys, so they could be looking at a Trey Adams from Washington or an Alaric Jackson from Iowa. I personally like Lucas Niang from TCU. Those are just some names floating around with Houston, but the problem that this presents for Houston going forward is the team that you see on paper is a team you're going to have for the next two to three years. You're obviously going to have interchangeable names at certain positions, whether it's contracts that are expiring and you know minor free agent moves that come in, but this team is Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins on offense, led that with Laramie Tunsil, and then it's going to be Whitney Merciless, Bradley Roby, and Garyon Conley on defense. This team is going to have to, especially for the new general manager, is going to have to find creative ways to still improve an already pretty good roster. They're just going to have to find ways to improve, and the best way, at least in my opinion, in years of covering the NFL and college football, the best way to build your team is through the draft. It's the absolute best way. And the Texans are doing the opposite. They're trading for all these players, getting rid of their draft picks, and kind of like putting all their eggs in one basket, which could very well succeed. The AFC is, outside of the Patriots, it's wide open in the 2 through 6 spot, and we expect it to be the next couple seasons after those top one or two teams, likely being Kansas City and New England. So... The AFC is very competitive at the top, 
And in a division where no other team has a franchise quarterback, Jacoby Brissett's played well, whether he's going to be a franchise quarterback or not for the Colts, we have to see. Obviously, Mariota looks like he's on his way out of Tennessee, and Gardner Minshew is still fairly new and fairly unproven for Jacksonville. The Houston Texans, I think they understand that they have to make a move. They had to make a move now. They're making multiple moves to try to make this roster the best it can be while their window is still open. But if I am a up-and-coming general manager, or if I am an assistant wanting and getting an interview for this Houston Texas general manager job, I don't know how I would be able to build this roster. I feel like the flexibility is very limited, not having a lot of draft picks. And you're going to have to pay a lot of these guys too. Laramie Tunsil, he's still on his rookie contract. You're going to have to pay him. Deshaun Watson is going to be coming up on a contract that you're going to have to pay him. Garyon Conley is on his rookie contract. You're going to have to pay him. Because you can't trade all these high-priority draft picks and then let these guys go in for agency. You're going to have to find ways to pay them. So it's a very scary situation, at least for a new general manager to walk in and see the lack of foundation in the draft picks and young talent. Because we have no... I don't think any of us listening or that know sports have any doubt about Laramie Tunsil, Kenny Stills, or Gayon Conley's skill set and talent. But it's the capital that was given up to get that talent is uh, is scary. That is for sure. So Houston Texans are going to be an interesting team to watch. Depending on if they make moves to accumulate more draft picks or if they are going to be content having the five draft picks that they currently have is going to be, I think, in my opinion, is going to be the second biggest storyline behind the Miami Dolphins and quarterbacks come April, what the Houston Texans do, especially if J.J. Watt retires, because this is a fairly good edge class, and uh you know, this team was picking somewhere probably between 18 and 26. They could have been looking at a Julian Aquara or a guy in the interior that can play outside like Raekwon Davis or Derek Brown. You know, they, a versatile player. And they're now not going to be in that position to be able to do that. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Houston does. I like their roster already. It's got a couple patches. But like I said, incoming general managers got to have a serious question mark as to what they're going to be walking into when they take that job, if they do take the job, which I would assume they're going to want someone to take it over and not have Bill O'Brien continue to be the GM. So that's all I have to say about Houston Texas. I just feel like no one's talking about it as much as they should, so I wanted to bring it up here about the, the seriousness this could have come draft time for the Texans, having the lack of picks in a fairly good and fairly deep draft class, especially in that first uh, two, three rounds. So shifting gears here a little bit to the college football side of things, that was kind of the NFL portion of the show, talking about the NFL headlines before we get to the main close at the end. But this past weekend, LSU beat Auburn in a very good, very fun game to watch. Um... Joe Burrow showed why he's a Heisman favorite and why he is rising draft boards being a top excuse me, being a top quarterback in the NFL draft. He is personally my favorite quarterback that I've watched so far. I've scouted both Tua and Joe Burrow as well as watched a little bit of um Jordan Love, Jacob Eason, and then Jake Fromm, who I absolutely fell in love with as well. 
Um, so, and Joe Burrow impressed me by far the most. So, he's the guy that's on the radar. He's going to be going into town as the number one ranked team in the country, taking on the number two ranked team in the country, Alabama, who's coming off of a uh, demolish of Arkansas without Tua. And that is really the big storyline is Joe Burrow versus Tua. If Tua does play, which his status is unknown, he pl- he threw eight passes against Arkansas with six of eight for 45 yards against Arkansas. But Mark Jones was the story. He filled in for Tua. He went 18-22 for 235 and three touchdowns. But Alabama relied heavily on the defense and relied heavily on their running backs. Najee Harris to get 13 carries for 90 yards and two touchdowns in that game. So they relied. There was a very different game script than letting their quarterbacks go out and sling it. The big storyline, and I hope this doesn't get taken away from us, is going to be Joe Burrow versus Tua, assuming Tua's health. Um, These are presumably 1A, 1B quarterbacks in the 2020 draft class by most people at this point in time. And this game has a lot of implications, not just on the college football level, but on the draft scale. Obviously, college football level, it's one versus two. It's the biggest game of the year. Most likely, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I know I will be watching. I will be in Kansas City. Actually, I'm going to the Chiefs-Vikings game on Sunday. So I will be in Kansas City Saturday with my dad. We'll be watching this game. I'm probably at a local bar down there. But not just at the quarterback position. The I think, in my opinion, the best matchup that's going to be to watching is these LSU defensive backs against the Alabama wide receivers. Alabama obviously having Henry Ruggs, the third, and Jerry Judy going up against Christian Fulton and Grant Delpit, I think will show a lot about both um, ends of the spectrum here. If Judy struggles, which I don't think any of us expect him to, I don't expect Judy. Judy's an all-world talent, my number two overall player on the board right now behind Chase Young. So he's an all-world talent, but if Delpit and Fulton can find a way to shut one of these or both of these down, their draft stock immediately rises up. Fulton already, to me, is a top 10 player, potentially top 15 for sure, and is my cornerback two behind um, behind Jeffrey Akuda. Fulton could make that case for cornerback one in this draft class. Obviously, the freshman corner, why can't his, why isn't his name coming to my... My, I'm going to pull it up because this guy has been absolutely insane. The, the, the red shirt freshman, Derek, Derek Stingley. Yeah, Derek Stingley. He is, I hope he shows out. And that's not just me being an Alabama hater because I just don't like teams that always win. Maybe it's just, that's that's just what happens with sports. But if Stingley can shut down Judy, imagine what that will say about him in the draft in a couple of years. But the if Delpit and Fulton let Judy and Ruggs light them up, that means what we've seen, especially from Grant Delpit this season on film, will ultimately kill his draft stock, which is already plummeting. You know, he entered the year as a top five, top ten prospect. And his play this season, including his numbers, have taken a dip downwards. And now he's being selected, you know, late teens, early mid-20s in mock drafts and big boards, which is not where we expected him to be. 
I think this game's going to be a lot of fun. There's obviously a lot of big-time names. There's as many, I think, as seven or eight first-rounders in this matchup here. you got Burrow, you've got Tua, you've got Delpit, Fulton, Judy Ruggs, Raekwon Davis, interior defensive lineman for Bama, big, 6'7", Mahler. And then you have Alabama's DBs, Trayvon Diggs, Xavier McKinney at corner and safety, respectively, as well. This is going to be a fun game. It's going to be a lot of fun. If I had to make a prediction, I'm going with LSU here. Especially, especially if Tua doesn't play. I, I expect Tua to try his hardest to get out there. Like I guess I don't know if his status has been announced or not, but I expect LSU to win a very tight contested game. It's going to be like a 24-21 or 27-24 type game. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I think I think Joe Burrow will lead lead a drive at the very end. That's going to be that's going to be exciting. I just think that Burrow will prove to everyone why he should be the consensus number one prospect as far as the quarterbacks are concerned, leaping over Tua. But maybe that's my bias because I absolutely am in love with uh, Joe Burrow. The guy's been absolutely amazing. 78.8% completion through eight games is absolutely insane. 2,805 yards, 30 touchdowns, four picks, and he's added three rushing touchdowns this season. He's athletic. He's accurate. He's precise. He's everything I want in a quarterback. And I believe I had him going to the Tennessee Titans in my mock draft, which, again, you guys should go ahead and check out on Whole9Sports.com. Moving right along here, staying on the college football level, I want to talk about the uh, New York Giants for a second and things that they can do in the draft. And this is a segment I'm calling Perfect Fits. So every single episode, we're going to go over one to two prospects that will fit a certain team. And since he was my first ever scouting report ever, I wanted to find a perfect fit for Isaiah Simmons. Not ever. First report on Whole9Sports.com this year. He was the first player I did. Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker safety hybrid from Clemson. And my perfect fit for him was the New York Giants. And here's why. This was obviously before the Leonard Williams news, which it doesn't change anything for me. This is still a perfect fit. And um, here's why. The Giants need to find a playmaker on defense that can be the captain. You look at their roster, and you look at the types of players that they have on the defensive side of the ball. Leonard Williams coming in obviously does help that, but at linebacker, it's not it's not good at all. Alec Ogletree, bad tackler. Marcus Golden, who's had a pretty good year. Is he a long-term answer on the defense? I don't think so. Lorenzo Carter, third-round pick out of Georgia. Okay. B.J. Hill. There's a lot of, I mean, you've got Dalvin Tomlinson. You've got Dexter Lawrence. You're obviously going to now um, insert... Leonard Williams, and then you obviously have a secondary that's played pretty well in Baker and Janoris Jenkins and Jabril Peppers, those young guys there, but Isaiah Simmons would just be a difference maker on this team. Uh, He's an athletic, versatile linebacker that can be in the middle captaining the defense. He can also be lined up as a slot corner in the nickel. He can be used in blitz packages. He's the all-around perfect type of playmaker that the Giants could use as a spark on their defense. He can be that leadership in the middle that can run your defense for you. And because he's so versatile, he can make plays anywhere. His sideline to sideline fluidity and capability is absolutely 
astonishing to watch. He reminds me of a more athletic Luke Keekley. My pro comp is Deion Buchanan, not from a perspective of talent tier as far as I think he's going to project to be what Deion Buchanan is, but the way he's used is like Deion Buchanan was in college, and we all thought Buchanan was going to be this absolutely all-world threat, and he wasn't. Simmons is way more polished. He's got way more speed burst and fluidity in the coverage game. I think the Giants, what they need to focus on right now at this point is gaining athletes and talents on both sides of the ball. You've done that on the offensive line with Will Hernandez and Jabril Peppers on the back end of the defense. You need that captain, that leadership in the middle on the defense to call the plays and will really, players I think will rally around Isaiah Simmons because he's been on winning teams at Clemson. He has the leadership capabilities and because he's so athletically gifted, he can range anywhere and make plays, whether it is in coverage in blitz packages or it's just as your stereotypical linebacker making the tackles at the second level. He's someone that I think if the Giants plugged and played right now their defense would completely change, especially with I think them adding Leonard Williams makes this an even more perfect fit because then you would have a playmaker at all three levels of your defense. Leonard Williams level one, Isaiah Simmons level two, and then you'd have Jabril Peppers level three. Three guys that can be used in different ways. Williams on the inside and outside on the defensive line. Simmons in coverage and in blitz packages at the linebacker level. And then Peppers as an over-the-top safety or as a essentially a box safety if he needs to be. I think the Giants are an up-and-coming team. You've got playmakers on both sides of the ball, obviously. Daniel Jones, whether we all think he is a franchise quarterback or not, he, he is what the Giants picked, so we have to respect that. And the best way to give him the easiest way to succeed is by giving him a defense that can prevent points. And I think that Isaiah Simmons being plugged in on the New York Giants football team will instantly make them better and is a perfect fit for today's episode here. I kind of went through these segments a lot quicker than I anticipated. It's I want I don't want to say it's my first time recording, because obviously I had to send in a mock podcast before I got the job here to be a podcaster. But this episode, I think, is is going to really. I want, again, I want to thank you guys all for for listening here. But I really do appreciate the support that I've gained a lot, and I wanted to take this part of the episode before I go to the main segment today. And just really thank everyone for giving me the support I've needed. Obviously, it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. Be a a journalist and broadcaster. And, you know, Whole Nine Sports found me. And, you know, a simple DM text, hey, I'd like a job. And, they, you know, I sent them, I believe it was my Sam Darnold uh, 2018 report on as my, my mock article. Because I wanted to be, you know, the scouting director and a scout for the website. And they liked it. They gave me a spot doing an article. And then we announced the Whole Nine Sports Podcasting Network. And I instantly thought to myself, I want to do this. This is what I was meant to do. So I texted Brandon and said, hey, what do I have to do to get this job? To, you know, get my own show. And he said, well, you know, you sit down, you plan a podcast, and you, you record and we'll let you know. So I went ahead and did that. I think I spent two, three hours planning a podcast. And then I um, sat down for 45 minutes, recorded a show, and I got the approval for this whole nine draft podcast that was announced past week. So, again, I'm truly thankful for everyone for the support. 
And we've got a lot more things coming. This week has had a lot of stuff happen, which has made this, and it will have a lot of stuff happen. But I think next week is going to be the big week for the show because we're going to have the interpretation of the Alabama-LSU game. I'm going to have my... We're going to have a segment next week called Mock It where I'm going to just... every Starting next week, every week that I don't have a mock draft published on the website, we're just going to do a top five mock draft or a top ten mock draft. Something a little bit different, whether it's... When we'll have different stipulations, but I've got a lot of stuff planned that I don't want to give away for this podcast, but I wanted to get that all out here, here in the middle of the show before I went to the close, because I, I truly cannot stress this enough how thankful I am to get this opportunity. So moving on to the main segment, and there is 26 weeks until the NFL draft, 26 weeks. Which means there's going to be 26 episodes of this until we get to the NFL draft. So, starting today and up until draft time, every episode, which happens once a week, Tuesdays on Apple and Spotify, we have the Whole Nine Draft Podcast. We're going to be rebuilding an NFL team. It's going in, you know, reverse draft order the way that it is, um, it is currently in the number one team on the clock right now. The 0-8 Cincinnati Bengals. So we're going to rebuild them here today. And out in front of me, I've got all my steps that I think this team needs to get on the right track. Now, these are just big things, and I'm obviously not going to go and do impressive detail. Like, you need to sign this guy for this amount of money. You need to get rid of this person here. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be the big ideas that I think Cincinnati should try to implement in order to get on the right track to their rebuild and speed it up a little bit so it's not taking five years and Zach Taylor's without a job for no reason. The first thing Cincinnati should do if they want to succeed is trade A.J. Green, which I know sounds horrible. A.J. Green, when healthy, is a top 10 receiver in football. He's big, he's physical, he's dynamic, he's got athleticism and speed. He's one of the best 50-50 jump ball receivers in the league, and he's Andy Dalton's go-to target. But A.J. Green has an injury history that we, we all know pretty well. He hasn't been healthy in a couple years. And as a guy who is continuing to be injured at the age of 31... It's not a good sign for him. If they trade him this year, they're only going to have three thousand in or excuse me, three mil in dead cap against the cap. He's gonna be an unrestricted free agent at the end of twenty nineteen, so in twenty twenty. He's in the final year of his four year sixty million dollar contract. Teams are gonna to want to Get AJ Green in their in their uh, in their locker room, especially as a one year rental for a team trying to push for a championship. A team like the Patriots or San Francisco traded for Emmanuel Sanders, so I think San Francisco is kind of out. But Green Bay, with their injury problems at receiver, could look to add a nice veteran guy in AJ Green. Seattle, a guy opposite of Tyler Lockett, 
you know, DK's played well, but you never know with with these teams, especially as, as stacked as the NFC is, they're going to be teams interested in AJ Green. They're teams interested in calling. They need to find and get as much value as they can for this receiver while they still can get anything for him. Because as much as he loves being in Cincinnati, if AJ Green has the opportunity to go sign for the Patriots in 2020 and win a Super Bowl, is he going to go do that over signing with the rebuilding Bengals team? Absolutely. So if I'm Cincinnati, I am trading him and getting as much value as I can right now. Especially in a stacked draft class that this one looks like it's going to be. You need to accumulate as much draft picks and as much cap space as possible. So that's step number one. Tuesday's trade deadline's coming around the corner. At the time this is published, there has been no trade for AJ Green. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. But I think that should be step one and step in phase one of the rebuild. Number two, get Zach Taylor a quarterback. We've seen how bad Jared Goff has looked without Zach Taylor. So imagine what Zach Taylor can do with his hand-picked quarterback and have full one-on-one development in his hands here. Whether that's Tua, who I had them taken in the mock draft at number one, whether it's Joe Burrow, Jake Fromm, I whoever Zach Taylor wants, he needs to get his hands on. The Andy Dalton era has been a roller coaster ride, and I like Andy Dalton as a player. I like him as a person, but he is the, the definition of a average, mediocre quarterback. He is the perfect bridge quarterback for someone to play with, and he hasn't been the same since he signed his massive contract, and he never has been able to win the big game. So, Zach Taylor, if this new era is going to come in, Zach Taylor, new head coach, they have got to get him the quarterback of his choice. I would assume his choice would be Tua, but the way Burrow's playing, it could be Burrow. He just needs whoever quarterback that Zach Taylor wants, because they're going to be in the top three or four in the draft regardless. Whatever quarterback he wants, let him hand-select it and pick that quarterback to build the rest of his offense around. Because once he gets the quarterback, this team has a skill position players to succeed. Joe Mixon in the backfield. You've got Tyler Boyd and John Ross on the outside. Auden Tate looks like to be an absolute steal. Tyler Eifert at tight end. And you've got young pieces on the offensive line in Jonah Williams and Billy Price to build around. Assuming their development stays, you know, in the trajectory that we all want them to be in. So this team has got the talent on the offensive side of the ball. Zach Taylor, if he gets his quarterback for his choice, can implement his full game plan that way. And this team will be even better in the long run. Step number three, which I think is arguably the most important, is to build up your offensive line. You know, they made the right decision taking Jonah Williams in the first round this past year. Obviously, heartbreaking injury happened to him where he was out his rookie season. Which, but the fact that they know that they have an offensive line issue shows at least that they're that they are aware of the issue is is a good thing for the organization to have. But if you, you're going to let Zach Taylor pick his offensive or his excuse me his quarterback and implement his offensive game plan, you've got to get your quarterback the amount of protection that he needs. The there are three pretty and I've talked about this before, not just in articles, but you know on Twitter and and in uh, previous shows that I've had before. The best ways to help out a young quarterback is one have a stabilized run game, two have a 
defense that can make plays and get stops to make it easier and take the pressure off the quarterback. And three is to give the quarterback an offensive line to where he doesn't have to run for his life, where he feels comfortable in the pocket, and then can go through his reads effectively. The number one thing that rookie quarterbacks struggle with is the speed of the game. And you're seeing that with Dwayne Haskins here in Washington. You saw Dwayne Haskins, when he inserted the game against Minnesota, the game was boom, 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 boom. It was going way too fast for him. You know, quick, he was trying to make these quick decisions that he wasn't you know, ready for. If you get him a good offensive line, rookie quarter, I'm not saying Haskins' problem is his offensive line. Haskins has a lot of issues he's got to work on. But you get a rookie quarterback, an offensive line that is stable, that can protect him for three, four, five seconds, That get, the more time you give the rookie quarterback to go through and progress his reads and look through the coverages, okay, look, my first guy's downfield, but he looks like he's got that safety over the top. And then, you know, the second guy's getting covered by the linebacker who's sliding towards the middle of the field. My, my check down guy's right there. If I need him, let's check out the third read. Boom, let's hit him. If you can slow down the pass rush, then the rookie quarterback can progress and progress through his reads a lot smoother. And then when he is forced to make those quick decisions because he got the experience going through it slowly, he will then be able to pick it up and get better at it. If you thrust a quarterback in and... The very like his very first experience, it's boom, 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 go. You gotta make this read quick, 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 quick. You gotta make these decisions without any support. He's going to struggle. And you're seeing that, like I said, Dwayne Haskins is the perfect example. The reason why Haskins is struggling in Washington is not because he doesn't have a good supporting cast or an offensive line. Which, you know, he has struggled they Washington Redskins have a lot of issues at both offensive line and at skill position players. But the number one flaw I've seen in Haskins is he is being forced to make these quick decisions and the game is going too fast for him because he is not used to having the game come at him within a you know a snap of the finger boom the rush is already in his backfield he's used to being having the game slowed down for him at a pace where he can you know read different things and progress and that's what a rookie quarterback has to have the best quarterbacks in the nfl are able to slow the game down and that's what a good offensive line will do for a rookie quarterback. So that is why number three on the offensive or on the list for the Cincinnati Bengals is to build up an offensive line for whoever the rookie quarterback is. Now, if you get a guy like Tua, you obviously makes your offensive line job a little bit easier because he has that athletic upside to move around and make plays. But we've seen it in Arizona with Kyler Murray, as athletic and as gifted and talented as Kyler Murray has been this year. Even his athletic skills and athletic abilities still can't neutralize and hide a bad offensive line. The offensive line is still the weakest point of the Arizona Cardinals, and it's still causing Kyler to struggle at times. So getting a good offensive line really does help, especially a young quarterback, at progressing through reads, making decisions, looking at coverages, and it'll, it'll allow him to be more comfortable. So that is why it's number three. The fourth and really big point for me with Cincinnati is continuing the development of the young players. This team has got a lot of young talent on this team. It, it truly does. William Jackson the third is a really nice corner that I think is someone that can be a lockdown corner 
in this league. I I mean, I truly do. I absolutely love the way that he's played his first couple years. You obviously have Joe Mixon, who has struggled, and partially because of an offensive line. But you have Joe Mixon at running back, who's one of the better running backs in football when he gets time, you know, in in space to make plays. Jesse Bates is one of the better young safeties. You've got Sam Hubbard on the on the on uh, the defensive line, right? So you have these young pieces that are performing pretty well. It's just going unnoticed because this team's an 0-8 football team with problems at quarterback and offensive line. But these this defense, especially, has got names that can produce um, and that you can build around. You just get a continued development. Like Miami, Cincinnati is not going to be a fix in one year. It's going to take time to develop. And you continue the developments of these young pieces, you are going to ultimately get yourself a better football team. I mean, there there are holes on this team. Quarterback being one of them with Andy Dalton, who, like I said, I think his, his time as being a starter is up in the league. You could use another receiver, especially if you trade A.J. Greenway. You're going to need someone opposite of Tyler Boyd because John Ross is going to be more of your slot receiver. At least he should be. Um, and then on the offensive line, especially on the interior, Billy Price will need to continue to develop. He has not been the player we all thought he was going to be at pick 21 in that draft. He got hurt and it was really never the same. He's got to develop as well. So this team is going to go through a lot of turnover. There's going to go through a lot of changes. You've got older guys in the defense and Dunlap and Geno Atkins that could find their way as casualties of the cap or of a new regime, or they could be used as pieces that can lead the younger guys into the next phase of the team. The Cincinnati Bengals are not a fix, but those are just a couple of the points that I would personally have to get this started. If I was Cincinnati, I'm taking Joe Burrow at pick one, and then at round two, top of round two, or you know, I trade to get to a back end round one. I'm looking at Alex Leatherwood of Alabama, Lucas Niang and TCU in round two, and then really just going from there. You know, C.J. Henderson could be a nice round two pick, late round, late round one, early round two pick. Him and William Jackson to be a fun dynamic duo. So Cincinnati's got the ability and flexibility to do a couple different things. And it's just going to be exciting to watch. So that is the episode, guys. I do want to thank you so much for watching. If you did like it, go ahead and give it a five-star review down below. Go ahead and subscribe and follow the podcast, whatever platform you're listening on. There's different things you can do here follow me on twitter at joshberg0611 or the podcast at wn draft pod on twitter go ahead and give every other podcast a listen like i said i'll link those in uh, the little description box that you can click on and see all these different podcasts on the whole nine sports draft network it, it was a lot of fun doing this for for the first time you know for real i hope you guys did enjoy it let me know where I can improve. Like I said, I'm always looking for improvement. We've got a great show coming for you next week. I've already got the the wheels turning in the back of my head of what I can do next week. So we're going to have a lot of fun. I hope you guys have a great sports weekend, and I will see you guys next time. Thank you guys so much.